Wow, wow, the Pacers get it done. Their best win of the season on the road in Philly in the in-season tournament with some weird in-game adversity. No problem for Tyrese Halliburton and co. They get it done. They beat the Sixers, and we've got to talk about it all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Group A Eastern Conference leading Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking in-season tournament action. Pacers get it done in Philly against the Sixers, and Bede plays, Maxi plays, and the Pacers adjust from Sunday to get it done. They plug all their holes from that game, they cover all their bases, and they got big nights from most guys who played, either filling their role, exceeding expectations, or just doing something better than they did on Sunday to get it done. Fantastic win for the Pacers. Their Bucks win last week. Move aside, second best win of the season now. They took down Embiid, and everybody, everybody stepped up. This game had it all in terms of things that could go wrong for the Pacers to cause them to lose. This sounds like a minor thing, but this will matter later. Before the game even starts, Daniel Tice announced his out. Personal reasons. He's the fourth center. That's not going to matter, right? Well, how about this? Right away, three minutes in, Miles Turner, three fouls. They've got to adjust there. And then Jalen Smith comes in. Two minutes after Jalen Smith comes in, he's got two fouls. How about some Isaiah Jackson time? They're going to need Tice. Oh, wait, they don't have Tice. Jackson plays well in this game. We'll talk about everybody at some point. Uh, but then he gets into foul trouble. So they have to go back to Jalen Smith, who then gets clobbered by Marcus Morris. Concussion. His night, well, maybe concussion. We'll see. He's being evaluated. His night's over. So now they have two centers, and they're in foul trouble. Then Bruce Brown gets hurt, and he has to come out for a little bit. Then he comes back in, and he tries to ask out, but it takes so long to get the sub. He never comes out. He stays in. He actually played a nice game. But he was getting hurt. Then there was the weirdest foul officiating thing I've ever seen. I'm not going to get into officiating. I don't care. But the, there was this Tobias Harris got fouled, and he had to go to concussion protocol, so he left the game. Apparently, concussion protocol players leaving the game is different than some normal leaving the game. So he's allowed to come back in, whatever. But they chose who could take the free throws wrong. So the first two didn't count. They did a different one later. And that actually helped the Pacers because they got a bunch of momentum from that stoppage. But all of this to say, so much weirdness happened. There was foul trouble. It was an in-season tournament game. The Pacers were down some center. Somebody got hurt mid-game. Somebody else got hurt in the middle of the game. They lost their momentum. Embiid had 37. Excuse me. Embiid had 39. Maxie had 27. DeAnthony Melton was unbelievable. Tobias Harris had 22 points. If you told me any or all of these things happened before the game, I would not have thought the Pacers would have won. But instead, they did. The Pacers played a wonderful, wonderful game. They were great from the jump. They were great on offense. And they won a game Here's what stands out about here's a couple things stand out about this game. They won a game where they weren't running hot from three. Right? They've been a great shooting team this season. 35% this game, 13 for 37. That's pretty good, but it's not awesome. It's below average. And they did well there because they got to the line. They didn't even make their free throws, but they got to the line. They made their twos. They never turned it over, only 11. That's been something great for the Pacers all season. And they cleaned up so many things. From Sunday's game. This is the biggest takeaway to me. Is This is play, as close to playoff-style atmosphere as the regular season will allow. You're playing the same team twice in a row in the same city. So you get to practice in between. You get to walk through. You get to watch film. You don't have to travel. 
you are playing an, literally an in-season tournament game. So there's already that added juice. The court's different. The jerseys are different. You're playing a team near you up high in the standings. You're playing the former MVP. You, ju- you just lost to these guys. You can go on and on. For many reasons, this was like the highest possible level for a regular season game. And the Pacers had to adjust. All right. On Sunday, they got their butt kicked by Maxi, and Maxi played pretty well, but not nearly as well. They clearly shrunk the core with him. They were sending guys up to the nail uh, or up higher on his on his pick and roll, so he couldn't drive middle as easily. They adjusted there. They had to slow down and beat. That was tougher for them, but they still did better with him. And they we'll talk about some answers they had for him mid game, including no centers on and beat, and it worked. And that worked. They had to do better on the glass. The Sixers had over 20 offensive rebounds in their win Sunday tonight. Five. Embiid had three of them, only two for the rest of the team. That's what stood out to me on Sunday. Embiid had a bunch of the offensive rebounds, but the rest of the guys had like 15. That was unacceptable. Pacers cleaned it up. All of these things that they did poorly, they needed to fix. And the other adjustment that was low-hanging for them was they found some success with TJ McConnell and these multi-guard lineups throughout the game. And so they turned to McConnell in the first quarter. They never looked back. He played the enti- throughout the entire game. He only played 13 minutes, but he played sparingly in every half. And he was good. He was five for eight from the field and provided them some solid minutes. So every single button the Pacers needed to push from game to game, they pushed it and it worked. And that says a lot about what this team is, especially considering how this game could have gone. They could have tapped out pretty easily when Turner was in foul trouble and Smith was in foul trouble. and They didn't have Tice and Jackson had to do a bunch. But they didn't. They could have tapped out when they lost Jalen Smith and Bruce Brown, but they didn't. And there were a lot. The, the Sixers got the lead in the fourth quarter. Pacers said no problem. They fought back. Everybody was awesome. So credit to the Pacers for overcoming all of that in a very, very weird game to get the win. I don't want to go player by player, but I almost have to in a game like this. Um, But the guy to start with to me is Tyrese Halbert, who just is unbelievable. Uh, There are so many stats that came out of these two games for for, for Halbert, excuse me, that have been tweeted, that have been shared by many people. Uh, Pat Boylan, sideline reporting. Uh, for the Pacers, kind of. Also doing a lot of radio stuff for them, mostly uh, doing TV for the Fever. Tweeted after the game. Tyrese Halliburton's two games in Philadelphia. 58 points, 32 assists, zero turnovers. He will go for the NBA record of 40 assists without a turnover, a record he already owns. ESPN Stats and Info tweeted. Tyrese Halliburton had 33 points, 15 assists, zero turnovers on Tuesday, 25, 17, and zero on Sunday. He's the first player with 25, 15, and zero turnovers in consecutive games since turnovers are tracked in 1977 he was unbelievable two games in a row he was unbelievable matching or exceeding the level of philadelphia's stars and this one he couldn't miss early made his first four threes which was pivotal because the start really sunk them on sunday if you listen to my podcast after that game i said they lost by 11 they got down by 11 right away because this Embiid maxi two-man game just killed them this time Halliburton was on fire from deep early, and he got them going on the offensive end. That was huge. Throughout the game, his passing ticked up. He finishes with 15 assists, which is just bananas. His passing this season has been unbelievable. The Sixers as a team had 22 assists, right? Like, Halliburton's passing is what makes the Pacers go, and that's the second game in a row he's had that level of assist. To do all that with no turnovers is ridiculous. I saw Bob Volgaris, who used to work at the Mavs front office, tweet this point, and I think this is a good addition. To do that statistically and to do it in the Pacers' up-tempo, high-paced, passing-the-ball-like-crazy system is is unreal. Like, the passes he's making, the engine that he is for this Pacers offense has been absolutely ridiculous 
over the weekend. He did everything right in this game, right? Everything. He had some long threes that didn't even hit the rim, but they were necessary, I would say, and how he was defended and setting the tone for the game and the shots he was going to take. You'd like to make every shot if you're a player, but he was just freaking brilliant, hitting the dagger three late with a minute to go to put him up nine. I tweeted that was the dagger, and then the Sixers got it to four, but it was the dagger. It got the Pacers to 127, and the Sixers' final total was 126, so they can me feel a little better about jumping the gun. Um, but he was just unbelievable. Everything he did in this game on offense was fantastic, and the Sixers, who are a good, nay, great defensive team with their star, one of the best defensive players on the planet, with a bunch of defensive wings, with good defensive guards like Patrick Beverly and Daniel House, could not contain him. They just couldn't do it. He's unbelievable. He is underrated to me. I said before the season in tweets with other people that I thought he was a top 20 player. I think he's higher than that now. He's ascended his level. He is just just ridiculous. And this game really showed it. One of the one of the most important games they've played all season, if not number one, on the road against a team with eight wins in a row, top of their conference, in-season tournament, and he got it done. He did everything right. He was absolutely brilliant. I can't say enough about him. I might make a whole segment about him before this week ends. We'll see. But there was a lot of other players who were awesome to exceptional. Obi Toppin being exceptional, exceptional. We will talk a lot about him in the upcoming segments and plenty more about this game, the weirdness of it, the Pacers' current level at 7 and 4. Before we do that, though, let's spend a couple minutes talking about the great people over at eBay Motors who are our partners, and they've teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week all season long. If you're prepping for a daily draft or scouring the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week in eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. His five guys, Bilal Koulibaly from the Wizards, Skylar Mays from the Blazers, Jacob Gilliard from the Memphis Grizzlies, Kyle Lowry from the Miami Heat, and Keontae George, the guy we're going to focus on today from the Utah Jazz. Keontae George played very well starting for his first time ever against the Pacers last week. He's had 20 assists in his first two starts. He's had some rocky moments. He's a rookie after all. But definitely a guy worth grabbing in fantasy with how well he has played. And Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship while eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and that is the same with your vehicle. Think about your dream ride or a memory of a car or your car that you loved, my first car. I will never, ever forget it. You have to fix it to keep it running, right? I had to do that many times. Had to get a whole new uh, hood, and with over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it is guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at those prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's keep going. Pacers, Sixers, one of the most fun games I've watched this Pacers team play. They're just awesome. They're playing well. They can score with anybody. They were getting to the rim. They were putting pressure on the Sixers. They were making it happen. And they're on top of Group A of the Eastern Conference for playing tournament purposes. I'll briefly do this, but they're 2-0, and they have the, the Pistons and Hawks left on their in-season tournament schedule. If you get to three wins, you have a chance 
to move on to the playoff bracket. If you get to four, you're guaranteed to move on to the playoff bracket. So if the Pacers just beat the Pistons, they'll have a chance. It'll depend on their point differential. If they also beat the Hawks, they'll be moving on to the quarterfinals, and we'll see about Vegas. But we will, of course, be covering that here. What we're also talking about is what the Pacers just did, getting to the points in the paint, getting out and running, getting a bunch of production from their bench. 33 of 6, the bench points today. Not turning it over, playing fantastic. We just talked about Halberton. And now we got to talk about Obi Toppin. Oh, was he awesome in this game. 37 minutes of action for Toppin. 36 minutes and 40 seconds, technically. And you, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been needed that much for this team, right? A lot of times he kind of fades to the background. That's not a bad thing, right? He's a spacer who cuts when he's needed and his athleticism pops in transition and guys have to think about him still. He's still a, a useful player. But in this game, with the with the uh with the Sixers. Trying their hardest to not let Miles Turner do what he did to them last time, driving to the basket. Turner had two points through three quarters. And boy, will we talk about Miles Turner. They were trying to cut that off. They were trying to overload Halberton, make it hard for him. They, Obi Toppin, cut them to death. Obi Toppin took 12 twos in this game, all right around the rim. He was just flying into the basket, making his plays, running in transition, 12 for 15 from the field, all good looks. He had some nice reverse layups. He had some tough finishes off of cuts. He had one where he bobbled it and then went for a reverse and still hit it. Still hit it. Ridiculous, right? So that was awesome. He was fantastic in this game from a scoring perspective. His high is a pacer by a mile. His first time reaching 20, he almost got to 30. And he paired it with one, six rebounds, which was important in this game. Pacers got beat on the glass again. Or Pacers, excuse me, win the rebounding battle. Barely. Uh, NBA.com's totals are messed up. They win the rebounding battle barely and Toppin was a big part of that with his six. But the thing that made this game awesome, awesome for Obi Toppin, and not just like offensive awesome, is what I talked about earlier with the centers. Miles Turner, foul trouble. Isaiah Jackson, foul trouble. Jalen Smith, foul trouble and has to leave the game and go to a local hospital. They got to find a plan for Embiid because Isaiah Jackson, who played awesome, got into foul trouble, right? He finished with four himself in 17 and a half minutes, and he's a foul magnet already. So they needed to squeeze in Probably about eight minutes of centerless play against the Sixers somehow. And they have Paul Reed, who they could sneak some of them in against, but not all of them. They had to do some of them against Joel Embiid. And they had a crucial late first half stretch where they were hoping to survive with no centers. They were going with Neesmith and Toppin as their front court. And that was their plan. They had to get it done. Turner came in with six minutes to go, and Turner came out with 5.16 to go. Uh, in the second quarter. At that moment, the Pacers had 51 to 48, and they had no centers. Neesmith came in for Turner at that point. It was Neesmith, Brown, Halliburton, Toppin, Heald at that time. Pacers had no center, and they immediately go on a big run. And Neesmith hit a three, and Toppin got to the foul line. But the thing that made that stretch so vital, and the thing that made this game such a good game for Obi Toppin is those two, Toppin and Neesmith, were all over Embiid. They were they were right on his back. They were doubling him before the catch. They weren't letting him get comfy before he caught the ball. And the Sixers, for some reason, were like, they would either think it was a mismatch right away and try to get him the ball when he was too far from the rim, or were trying to get too cute with it. And like Embiid was trying to like draw this double and make extra plays. It shouldn't have worked as well as it did. In fact, they figured it out a little bit. That sounds dumb to say, but it shouldn't work as well as it did. But it did. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Those guys were fantastic. So they were up three points when that when that started. Like I said, 51 to 48 when that stretch begins. And they are up nine at halftime. And it could have been more. 
They were up double digits at times late in that second quarter. That is where Obi Toppin changes game the most to me. Those Embiid minutes with no center on the floor could have killed the Pacers. And Toppin and Neesmith stepped up and Toppin paired it with a brilliant, brilliant offensive game. Let's talk about the centers. Jalen Smith, we can get him over quick. Very unfortunate. I hope he's okay. I think as part of the concussion protocol, they had to check him out at a hospital. We haven't heard anything, or at least I haven't because I wasn't there, about him since the game. He only played two and a half minutes, but he made both of his shots. He made a three. He had an assist. He did fine. Uh, Miles Turner, redemption. Redemption for Miles. He even tweeted about this as I knocked my camera off the top of my computer while I'm talking. He even tweeted about it after the game. He was really struggling. I don't even think he would deny that, right? Fouls were a problem for him in this game once again. That's what happens to him against Joel Embiid. That happened two nights ago. Um, he only finishes with three rebounds, but he has two points. In fact, let, let me let me refresh goodoldnba.com so they can give me my quarter box scores because I have not refreshed this since the game ended. Okay, at halftime of this game, Miles Turner had, to be exact, two points, one rebound, one steal, it was a plus two. They were still doing fine in his minutes. He was still spacing the floor. He took two threes. In the third quarter, Miles Turner played a minute and 18 seconds because he fouled right away. They only lost that by one. But fouls kept him out. He couldn't play that much. He wasn't having that kind of impact through three quarters that the Pacers needed. They relied on Isaiah Jackson a lot. They did that stuff, like I just said, with other guys playing center. It all was fine. That's what happened. Fourth quarter, Miles Turner against his kryptonite, the guy that's given him the most trouble his whole career, the guy that just makes him look like not an effective player. Fourth quarter, Miles Turner plays all but 32 seconds of the quarter because he fouled out with 32 seconds left. Four for seven from the field, one for two from deep. The big stat, six of seven from the foul line. He was getting to the foul line. He was drawing fouls on everybody and bead fouled him. He got a few on Patrick Beverly. He got a few on Daniel House. He did an awesome job getting to the foul line. Two rebounds, one block, 15 points in the fourth quarter alone. Almost half of what... The Sixers had, he matched Tyrese Maxey, who finally got going in the fourth, but the Pacers matched him with Miles Turner, plus four in that quarter in a six-point win. They needed every bit of Miles Turner late. I still think he had his issues with Embiid the first three quarters, but man, did he come alive when it mattered. He was awesome on defense in that quarter, too, disrupting shots, taking a charge on Embiid, even with five fouls. That's a ballsy play. He pulled it off. He was fantastic and down the stretch and deservedly got to tweet after the game. Mental toughness is a skill. Shout out to the Philly fans for talking that and then a poop emoji and giving me the fuel I needed. I don't know what led to the shift in his mindset and his play, but he was fantastic. He was brilliant when it mattered and got the Pacers a win. A couple other guys I want to talk about for a second. Really, we could talk about everybody. Isaiah Jackson deserves a big shout here. 17 and a half minutes for Isaiah Jackson. He's good at guarding a lot of types of players in the NBA, but I have always said he's better at perimeter players than centers. He's kind of skinny. He's not that strong. Um, when he gets switched out into guards, it kind of goes okay. And sometimes he gets his butt kicked by guys like Joel Embiid. Not tonight. Isaiah Jackson did not finish plays well. One for four from the field, but he got fouled a lot. Five for eight from the foul line. That was huge. Five offensive rebounds. Nine total for Jackson. That really swung the game. Pacers lost the shot count battle in their last game. They won it today. They took five more shots and were close enough on the free throws, nine rebounds, five offensive for Jackson, two assists, a block. To all, like, they lost his minutes, but they could have lost him by way more if he wasn't as good as he was. Compared to his usual level, Isaiah Jackson was great in this game. He was making the right plays. I'm sure he'll be kicking himself over his preseason and what it meant for his minutes this season. But when he's gotten in, pretty much every game he's played, he's done exactly what's asked of him. And in this game, with the toughest task for him, 
available on the other side. He stepped up. He was huge. They needed every bit of contribution they got from Isaiah Jackson in this game with guys out, with guys injured, and he stepped up. He was huge. They really needed it. He finished with, I believe, five fouls, four, actually, to be exact, um, which, of course, was part of the reason that they had to adjust so much. But credit to Isaiah Jackson. He filled in well. He got it done. He played almost as many minutes as Turner in this game, and that worked. That absolutely worked for them. Credit to Carlisle, too. He had the right bigs in at the right time for the Pacers to get this one done. There's a couple other guys I want to talk about, a couple other weirdnesses from this game to own in on. It's the Pacers' best win of the season, after all. And they're off for four days. If Jalen Smith's going to be out for a little bit, if Bruce Brown's got some injury, perfect timing, really, for the Pacers. With four days off, they don't play till Sunday now. So we have a lot more to talk about from this game. I should have just saved that for the third segment. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you guys about the wonderful people over at Ibotta. Big holidays coming up, and that means big family get-togethers. But you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With Ibotta, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free starting November 1st. For the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do, shop your favorite retailers, upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. You can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're buying. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. Ibotta. Real cash back that you can put in your bank account, PayPal, gift cards, whatever. You can earn cash back on hundreds of popular online brands. So download the Ibotta app right now. Use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. You get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play. Start to download the free Ibotta app and use that code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store using that promo code LOCKED. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Sixers to hear the opposing perspective on the Sixers' second loss of the season. And they played a night against the Celtics, so they probably wanted to blow this one out and be able to rest their guys late and get ready for national TV. Instead, they lose, and they got a tough back-to-back with the Boston Celtics coming their way. Pacers get it done. Massive win. They looked great. We've gone over a lot of stuff about this game. I haven't even clicked to my notes tab. <laughs> That's how much this game was crazy. When I take notes during a game, peek under the hood, no one really cares, but whatever. I type stuff that I think is interesting, and then I type stuff in all caps that I want to either talk about on our podcast or potentially write an article about or include in my takeaways if it's a road game, and this is a road game. And I have a lot, right? Tobias Harris scored the first six points for the Sixers. The Sixers went to an early zone. The Pacers were shrinking the court against Maxi. That was great. The Pacers adjusted with McConnell and early. Foul trouble is going to be a killer. Lots of important stuff here that I didn't even get to get to because of how this game was. One note that I want to touch on, Bruce Brown in this game, dealing with injury, so he couldn't play the full breadth of his minutes. I'm guessing he would have ended up in this top and Halliburton range of 38-ish. It was an in-season tournament game. They needed to play everybody as much as they could. He played 35 and a half. So he didn't miss too much time with his injury. He came back in. Um, his stat line won't like explode off the page at you, right? 14 points. That's pretty good. That's about what you expect from Bruce Brown. Maybe a little higher, honestly. Five rebounds. That's pretty good. Three assists. That's what you want from your secondary creator. And a steal. And four fouls. Eh. Eh. Decent game. Five for 11 from the field. So more points and shots. Got to the foul line. That's all good. Bruce Brown, the stat line was what it is. He was way better than the stat suggests. One, because they needed, like I said, with, with their adjustments from Sunday, to have as many ball handles on the floor as they could. That's how they put pressure 
on this Philly defense. Rim pressure gets this Philly defense rotating. They've got some new guys. They have an aggressive defensive scheme with Nick Nurse. You make them rotate, you can make it fall apart. Bruce Brown can make a defense rotate, right? So he was in a lot. He was in with Halliburton a lot. He was in with McConnell sometimes. He was in with Nemhard sometimes. That's what he does, right? He pairs other guards well, and he keeps the ball moving, and he did it in this game. That, of course, makes him a good glue guy. The shots were good enough. 5 for 11 is fine. The thing that made this game better than the last game for Bruce Brown, the stats won't show it again on the other side because Tyrese Maxey played fine. He defended Tyrese Maxey way better, way better than he did than the Pacers did as a team on Sunday. Now, Maxey was unusually hot Sunday, right? There's that already viral gif that I talked about on Monday's podcast where he hits a step back three right in Bruce Brown's face and Bruce Brown's eyes roll out of his head. Walking back to defense, like, what can you do? Maxi in this game, Maxi made seven threes on Sunday. He only took five on Tuesday. Huge improvement to be able to defend him and coerce him out of those shots. He took 23 in total, right? He was still looking for his shots. That's a lot of shots. He only made nine of them. Five assists, four turnovers for Tyrese Maxi. He still had a great game. 27 points on 23 shots, five assists. He still played really well. He still put pressure on the Pacers. He still changed the game late. He had a three that gave them the lead in the fourth quarter, and I thought that might change the game, but it didn't. Bruce Brown played great. He defended him well. He played well on offense. Just another guy who had a great game for the Pacers. Matherin was the only starter who did not have an awesome game for the Pacers. He didn't play very much. Other lineups were working better. They needed different skill sets. I didn't even really notice that he wasn't playing that much in this game until... I looked at the box score at the end. A lot of people were asking me about it, though. I don't know why, but other guys were more effective. You got to earn your minutes on this Pacers team, and that's gonna how it's gonna be how it is. Uh, the only other bench guys I haven't really touched on: Aaron Neesmith, great defense, tough offensive night, couldn't make his shots, still played a bunch because they needed him. Buddy Heald's spacing was clearly valuable, right? You can look at his shooting percentages and think he had an off night, and I would understand that. He had five turnovers. They chase him out to the perimeter. That made life easier on the rest of the guards who were trying to put that aforementioned pressure on the rim. He was a plus 10 despite having that off night. And Andrew Nemhard didn't play much but had four assists, kept the ball moving, and they brought him in for defense a few times late because that was crucial. They needed everything they could get from Andrew Nemhard in this game. Everyone who played for the Pacers filled a role or did something of value to the team throughout the game. That's what they need. That's what this team needs to be. Matherin scored early to set the tone, even though he didn't play that much, right? Everybody who played stepped up, and that's what it's going to take for the Pacers to win a game like this where Halberton does that. But like I've said a lot, if Halberton plays that well, and he does almost every game this season, they just need one other guy to be at a good level, a 20-point or above level, right, above their usual offensive level, or someone to step up defensively to win. That's all they're going to need. Tonight, they got it from Obi Toppin, who was their offensive juggernaut besides Halliburton. 27. I mean, this will be a game we talk about with Obi for a while. He has risen up to his best level against tough tasks twice this season, right? His hardest individual matchup defensively all year was Victor Wembanyama. He did great in that game. That was his best scoring game. He didn't do the grace against Giannis, but he didn't guard him that much. And then he had to guard a beat a bunch in this game. Look at that. Best offensive game again. Huge game from Obi Toppin. So they got their guy to step up next to Halliburton, and they got it done. And this game had so much weirdness. I can't stress that enough. I know I led with it, but, I mean, people were comp- – I didn't even realize this. Like, I never think officially officiating is, like, bad in an NBA game. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of who I am. But, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it all the time. Uh, people were not happy with the officials in my Twitter mentions. So I have to acknowledge that apparently um, the whistles were not good. Yes, Embiid falls down a lot. 
Roy Hibbert fell down a lot too. You never know what the cause of it is. Obviously, I think there's some flopping going on with Embiid. He had one. He had one flop that was brutal, where he like flung up a 60 footer from the opposite three point line and tried to draw a take foul. It was ridiculous. But I don't want to talk about officiating. I do want to talk about the one play that everybody talked about: the weirdness of the fourth quarter play. Okay, I'll try to describe the whole sequence. So Bruce Brown is up in the air trying to get the ball, and he gets above Tobias Harris's head. And as he's coming down, gravity takes effect, and he lands on Tobias Harris's head and really bends his neck, like really painfully. It looked brutal. Bruce Brown fell pretty far, hit the ground. He popped right back up, which was good because he fell from pretty high. Tobias Harris's neck bent really far. So they stopped the game. He's getting looked at. He finally gets up. He's moving around. That's great. He has to go back to get evaluated for a concussion. So I'm going to stop right here before I continue chronologically talking about this. Concussion reviews and and uh, removal from a game have different rules than other injuries, which I suppose makes sense. You want to take concussion seriously, and if it's good to go, it's good to go, but you don't want to punish a team for having a guy looked at for a concussion. You wouldn't encourage that. So Tobias Harris goes back to get looked at. He is allowed to return to the game even though he didn't take the free throws because he was getting looked at for a concussion. So usually what happens is when a guy can't take his free throws, the opposing team chooses who takes the free throws instead. Rick Carlisle picks K.J. Martin. K.J. Martin has never played for the Sixers. He comes in, he misses them both. K.J. Martin played 35 seconds in this game. He misses them both. Sixers get an offensive rebound. Some stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. Two minutes go by, game stops, commercials. And then they're like, oh, I I had to stop for this. For a reason, concussion reviews are different, right? There are different rules completely. So it's not like other injury reviews when a guy goes out of the game and can't return, by the way. If a guy gets hurt for non-reasons like that and someone else has to take the free throws, they can't return to the game. Concussion, you can. So that means the shooting team gets to pick who shoots the free throws. So the refs got it right. They went back and they said, no, no, the Sixers should have picked. They would not have picked Martin. So Tyrese Maxey took two free throws. Instead, later, he made them both. And then, funnily enough... In the moment, that gave the Sixers a lead again. They were up like 111, 108 or something. It's really hard to tell because you can't look at the play-by-play to see the score very effectively because they like moved they moved the free throws to where they should have been chronologically, which I guess makes sense, but it made things really confusing. It's hard to tell exactly when scores were. Um, but I believe the free throws... Made it 109-106 is maybe what it was. It's it, I can't remember. It's going to be hard to figure it out. But either way, the Sixers were ahead, and it felt like they were building a little bit of momentum when these free throws dropped, and this Pacers just answered immediately. They go on this big run. They get up 117-111, which ended up being huge for the game. Halburn hits this great hook shot, and the Sixers kind of marched back a little bit. But funny enough, that stoppage felt significant. A lot of people were like really upset about this. So Martin's free throws didn't – even if he made them both – they wouldn't have counted. They would have remade the Sixers take them. It just happens to be that he missed both. So they only took two free throws. It just felt weird, especially from a Pacers perspective, because they went from missing two to making two. But they got it right. Like, they do that all the time with threes and twos after the fact or when guys step out of bounds and they go back and go, oh, he wasn't in. So whatever. I'm okay with them getting it right and concussions being that way. It did feel weird over the context of the game. Like, J.J., Jeremiah Johnson, sideline reporting, joked with Hal Burton, in his post-game presser, he said, did it kind of feel like Pacers versus the world? Like, there was a lot of whistles in this game. But to the Pacers' credit, they got to the line a lot themselves. 33 free throw attempts is very impressive. They overcame that really weird play. You could see Obi Toppin and Buddy Heald in the huddle going like, what's going on here? And Carlisle was confused. 
Pacers surged right after that. So the stoppage kind of helped them at least gather some momentum. Maxi was just getting going. He kind of slowed down after that. So it was weird from a timing perspective. I wanted to talk about it because I think some people were still confused at what happened. I've never seen anything like that before, but it is what it is. Pacers overcome it as one of the many weird things they overcame from foul trouble to guys being out at the last second for personal reasons to injuries mid-game. Um, all sorts of things. Weird rotation. They have to go to 10 guys. In-season tournament. Funky court. All sorts of stuff. No problem. Pacers, 7-4. and four, Top of their group. Climbing in the Eastern Conference standings. In fact, I haven't looked tonight after the game, but I believe they're back up to third in the East. They are tied with the Miami Heat for the third best record in the Eastern Conference. Only the mighty Celtics and Sixers above them. Pacers playing good. We've got a lot to talk about for Pacer Land still. We'll see what the topics will be, but I'm going to do one show with a guest taking stock of this team after 11 games. For one of my shows this week, the other one will be big news catch-ups, important stuff. One is the importance of the Pacers' upcoming stretch of schedule. Boy, will I explain two. I want to talk a little about Zach Levine, who's apparently available now, what that can mean for the Pacers. Spoiler alert, no, I don't think he makes sense for the Pacers, but there is something about it that does make sense to the Pacers that we'll get to. And three, the Mad Ant season has started. And if you've missed it, Oscar Shibwe, holy smokes, is that dude grabbing some rebounds? We've got a lot to cover. And Pacerland here, perfect time for a little break from games to catch up on all of it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show and this game. It was super fun. It was super exciting. The Pacers are playing great, and I hope the energy of the show matches how you feel about watching these guys. Back tomorrow, talking more Pacers, all those topics we just reviewed. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. This show is at Lockdown Pacers. Thank you all a ton for listening. Have a fantastic day. We will see you soon.